You're listening to Bellwether's podcast with Matthews Joseph. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into Bellwether's podcast. And it's yet another Monday, and we have a new person today with us. Today we have amazing Grace with us, and she. Uh, most of you guys might know her um, uh, as the producer of the Tamil version of the Blessing, but some people might also know her as the co-owner of a marketing firm called Netrocon Digital, and also she leads a nonprofit called Royal Kids. So amazing! Thank you so much for being here. It's a true pleasure to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Yeah, do you mind do you mind speaking about yourself in a couple of uh in, in a couple of sentences so that you know our audiences can know you better and know who you are, what you do? Sure. Um born and raised in Chennai, uh, moved to the US about five years ago to get my master's. Um, and then I've been involved in missions all my life. My parents started a missions organization in our house. Uh we had a lot, a lot of girls um, at the house. I grew up with a hundred girls um, day in and day out. We lived together. So that was the nonprofit that I'm currently involved with. Um, so missions is a part of my my life versus uh, a job, if I could say that. Um, so I was always there, never wanted to be a part of a business or a for-profit organization, never had a heart for it, never thought anything noble about it. Um, So I think when I got to school here, the Lord started speaking to me. So many crazy scenarios happened. And then I ended up with this company here. Um, I currently am one of the uh, co-partners while building this marketing agency along with some kingdom-minded people who are very, very, um, who've, who've taught me about business and so on. And so I enjoy that journey on building a business that is Christ-centric. Um, while also saying yes to ministry all over again and uh, getting to serve. So that's kind of the nutshell of what I do. I kind of advocate a lot for children in uh, at risk across the world. So I've been uh, actively speaking, engaging, uh, and working with a lot of kids and partner organizations globally, um, especially in the prayer movement. We believe in raising children worshipers and intercessors versus just giving food and education. That's not where our, you know, our cost and our vision ends, but it's to raise these children as worshipers in the desolate and generation that seeks after him and stands in the walls of Jerusalem as watchmen. And I think um, that's something that I uh, love and I enjoy. And that's something that I do. Wow. That's just amazing with you, you know, your vision, what you want to do, what you want to change that you want to make in this world. That's amazing. And the vision that God has put in your life, that's like amazing, you know, and I must say, you know, and, you know, just like your, your, your name is like, you know, it's amazing. So, and so let's just jump into the questions. So here's my first question. So how has working with nonprofits uh, helped you shape your perspectives? I think, I think that's where I touched upon, right? Nonprofit to me is more so a lifestyle. Um, I'm, I think I, I was gifted enough to grow into it. Um, in fact, when my when when I was born, my parents already had uh, kids from the leprosy families in the house. So they were the ones who raised me. So it was more so my upbringing. I was more raised by kids in the house versus my parents. Uh, so I can I can never um, you know dif- differentiate it outside and inside kind of a world. You know, missions was life and. Um, it was a part of my living, and um, I think that communal living 
is what changed my perspective about life, about what I do and how we do. It was a very we-centric versus I-centric. Um, and I think um, that's something that I, I believe was a gift versus uh, something that I went after or sought after. It was a gift to learn to live with people, love people when they come from different backgrounds, when they come from different, um, you know, different economic situations. It, it didn't matter. There were kids who would walk into the house and would not know how to communicate. Um, there would be kids who would come in and would not talk for days because they were abused or things like that. So you grow in love for people because you, you live in those situations. And I think um, that was the beauty of it all. And that's how I think majority of my perspective was shaped um, to give, to love, to serve, to be around people. Um, and just be the hands and feet of, Je- feet of Jesus. I think now that I think of it, uh, that, that, that's how I would coin it. Um, it's a gift. Like I said, um, it's not something that we pursued, but it was a very God-ordained uh, move in all of our lives and still is where we get to enjoy working and living um, and being around people. And I think that has um, directly responded to how I do things giving, serving, inviting people into my home um, and being there when somebody needs and also receiving because there are so many people who show up at my doorstep today um, and being able to receive. And I think that two-way street of just community, people, uh, the we-centric conversation that I love about missions. That's just just beautiful, you know, the way you just coined it, you know. Uh, you know, giving, receiving, you know, it's just like, it's very simple, you know, to serve. And I believe that, you know, it costs nothing to serve, you know, it costs nothing to do, you know, take a glass of water and give it to someone in need. It takes nothing to do something, you know, an action of humanity does not take anything, you know, it just takes, you know, it just takes one step to serve. And that's why I think, you know, the greatest example of serving is Jesus, because the one who very much created the whole world, you know, came down and you know died the worst of the deaths you know the serve because and before he died he served his disciples his own disciples the very people that he created he washed their feet i mean the amount of humility that is there that's amazing and that humility is what i believe is the is, is the propelling factor to serve you know because if you're not humble you cannot serve if you have like you know, if you're not humble and you have like a a particular set mindset you know you won't be able to you, you won't be able to serve and you know i think the first and most important thing to serve is to be humble yeah yeah i think that's what community living did and does for a lot of people uh it puts you in that place where you just humble yourself and like you said we read so much in the bible uh but when you start watching people live that life uh it starts changing you too because um, now whatever you've read and whatever you've heard of the gospel, you're starting to see the lives of so many people who are sacrificially serving, living um, and giving. And I think that's what I, I had the chance of because I get to see so many people do it ahead of me. Um, and I think that's the beauty of missions altogether. Wow. So uh, let's just jump into our next question. And just because we are talking about nonprofits, I just want to focus on that point. Now, how can uh, people or individuals support nonprofit organizations? Um, I know it sounds cliche, um, um, but I'd say start praying. 
uh, prayer is something that would change a lot of nonprofits. Um, here's why: a lot of nonprofits that nonprofits and just people who are serving and sharing the gospel right work in really hard conditions. Um, sometimes we always think, "Oh, I give and everything changes." You know, I give is it good done? Yes, giving changes. Um, giving helps, giving bills, but there's nothing that prayer can't do. Uh, day in and day out, people walk into communities that have real strongholds. People walk into communities uh, to serve where they're not welcomed, where they're persecuted, right? There's so much that happens when we walk into these missional communities and we we try to serve. And I that's why I always say start with prayer. Start with prayer. Be there to be ready to be praying for a child that you want to donate towards. Be ready to be praying for a project that you want to build towards. Because every project, every child that you are going to donate towards needs um, healing. Just as much as they need food and education, they also need healing. They also need the love of Jesus. They also need that first touch before their life gets transformed. So often we think, okay, I give them clean water, I give them uh, food, and I get them to go to school. You know, their life gets transformed. Yes, it gets transformed, but a lot of these kids that we get to work with come from really harsh backgrounds. Um, they have some rough past, and oftentimes it starts with prayer. And uh, one thing that I always stress is. Don't worry about where you live. Prayer gets cured from across the world. It doesn't matter. All you need is a heart, compassion, and empathy. Um, that's all you need. That compassion would release the heart of intercession, and it really blesses and speaks into the lives of so many children that I've seen. Um, so start with prayer and to generosity. Um, a lot of nonprofits were built because so many people in the past gave. There was a huge giving culture in the previous generation that really built a lot of nonprofits. Giving changes us and it changes people. So, yeah, those are the two things that you can do to support and help. Yeah, that's just that's just incredible for what you just said. You know, the heart of compassion. And you know, I think that's one of the most important things because you know you need to have a real heart of compassion to give or to pray for these people because you know I mean I've been I've I've been to different places in India while my uh, while I was living there and I've seen like how hard it is to go to the rural areas of South India or North India and how crazy it gets you know when people they don't even have food and they actually you know they they uh they 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 try for that they're they're so hungry they don't have basic needs water shelter or sanitation or any others you know and you know and i mean you can't give to them but you know the giving needs to be coming from a heart of compassion and i think you know again you know the best example again here is jesus because i believe like you know anything that you want to set your eyes on to or anything that you want to do the best example would always be jesus the best role model would always be jesus you know coming to leadership coming to humility coming to a heart of compassion coming to ministry and everything you know he's like you know uh, he's like the perfect all in all for you know you can use for any circumstance because he has done all that and the way he does that is you know the the heart of compassion that he has you know that the the way that he used to talk to people the way he mingle with them 
And there's still, it, it amazes me while I read through the passages in the scriptures, even though we have read all these like a hundred times throughout our, 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 all, all the journey of our life. But when we see that, you know, when we see the heart of compassion, you know, we get moved. And this thing I think we need to have, just like Jesus had, you know, and the heart of compassion to talk to these people. And, you know, just like you said, you know, prayer, you know, you can pray from any part of the world. And, you know, prayer, prayer is like, you know, it's it's faster than it's faster than you know, Hyperloop. So, you know, whatever it's like, you know, you just pray, you know, it happens. That's how it works, you know. And then you pray and you know, it makes a difference and every prayer makes a difference. And I believe that you, know, you might not see like the exact outcome in the next couple of hours or days. But, you know, everything, every every single prayer, small or big or whatever you pray makes a huge difference. Absolutely. And I think here's another thing. I know prayer sounded very huge oftentimes. And sometimes we don't have the compassion. And that's the truth of the matter, right? Yeah. Um, and it could be as simple as us saying, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And it starts from there. And God can fix us, breaks our heart, softens our heart towards things that he's passionate about, that he's longing for, that he loves in um, I think that's that's a great place to start when it comes to prayer. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, but yeah, this is jump on to our next question on uh, on to uh, on to leadership, and I think that's my favorite topic all of all time that I want to talk to. And I think every person who has been on this podcast has always mentioned about leadership, and I think that's like the most important defining factor in a person's life. And so here's my question: How do we promote? more younger generation people in leadership roles? Uh, how do we promote them? Um, I think it starts with the culture that we set, right? Uh, it, it starts with the culture we set, and I think it starts, it comes with a lot of humility. I'll tell you that. Um, a couple of examples. I think I started in leadership when I was like 14, 15, somewhere there. Um, it was Tsunami. Uh, when Tsunami hit Chennai, um, Tamil Nadu in 2004, 2005, I led a team of 300 people. Imagine somebody saying, hey, you're 15 years old, but you can actually lead this, these people. It's a lot of risk. It's a lot of, um, it, it's a lot of work. I'll give you this. But I think I've had those sources in my life who always trusted me, who walked with me, who was ready to take a fall for me. Um, even when I made a mistake, uh, I had those people behind me. In other words, I had fathers and mothers who stood in the gap and said, go, and we are here. They didn't say, go, we'll be gone. But they said, go, but we are right behind you. And I think that's what it really takes when it comes to be it a younger generation, be it women in leadership, all of that, you know, that kind of a partnering. We miss that at work. We miss that in ministries. We miss that in the organizations. People who are willing to take a yes for us, people who are willing to take a beating for us, people who are willing to say, go, and I will be there when there, there, there are those moments that you need us. Um, I think even in the business world, I didn't have much of a business background uh, before I got here. Yes, I do have a business background, but I was not involved with businesses hands-on in the past. But I always had these people, once I got into business, who were willing to teach me, train me at different levels and said, this is how you do it. If you've never did, done sales before, here, here's your manifesto. I'll be with you. Months and months, even when I didn't get it, coming with that kind of um, 
humility where they never said, I know better, but instead they always said, it's okay. You can pick it up. It's okay. You'll get there. And they were patient in that season. I think that's what it really takes when we are looking at a, um, at promoting a generation that we're not used to. We're often used to experienced people. We're often used to a specific stereotype of people that can do the job better. Um, but oftentimes when you're promoting another segment of people, be it age factored, like people at their very young teens and college grads, or we're looking at women, all of that, any new segments that we are releasing into our environment takes a lot of those patients and conversations and really putting one-on-one together and having those mentor roles and saying, go, and here we are supporting, um, cheering you on and willing to stand back and say, take it away. Um, I think there are very few people who are willing to take chances on you um, and we need more of them. I think that's very true because, you know, I mean, uh, because in, in in our culture, and I basically see that, you know, in my workplace or in almost everything that we do, we see like, you know, uh, younger people are very hard to be trusted with leadership. That's what, you know, older guys think. I mean, at least some people think so, but still like, you know, that trust factor, you know, what you just said, you know, people uh, trust you. Okay. You, I think you're capable of this. You need to do this. You know, that yeah. I think shapes, makes a whole difference to the whole thing that you're doing, because yeah. I think you need to you need people who trust you and you know because if people cannot trust you and how can they uh if people don't trust you how can they give you a role of leadership or, or something like that or, or a responsibility and i think the basic of leadership or the basis of every everything that leadership is built around is trust and understand that you don't trust people uh, i don't think you know you you can actually see them expand or explore into the leadership of that the potential that person has and you know what i mean it's like you know what he was like saying you know how you we were like 15 years old you had you led a team of 300 people it's like you know it's just it's crazy i mean you know if yeah if you talk to a 15 year old you know and then take a random 15 year old and ask them okay do you want to lead 300 people and they'd be like what are you nuts <laughs> that would be the first thing they would be saying but you i think i think you handle it very well and i think that is because i mean I, and i and i really believe that trust is mutual because you know and if i if i you know if, if a senior leader is handing out something to you they believe that you know you are capable of it and also yeah. you also always know that the senior leader is there to back you up and, and I, I think that is like it's kind of like a mutual thing and you know that's what holds it together the relationship stronger and the leadership stronger absolutely absolutely cool and oh also uh, let's just jump into our next question and uh this uh, since you're leading a marketing firm and uh, i I've, I've had a couple of people who, who i know very personally who lead marketing firms and I know how challenging that is because, you know, you, sometimes you have angry customers and sometimes you have people like who, who get mad at what will you do. And they say they talk about uh, the analytics and all the results and everything. And, you know, it's surprisingly challenging to lead a marketing firm and people think it's like easy. All you had to do is set some promotions and, you know, just market it. Uh, and I just want to see if you could touch base on uh, how can, if you could share your experiences on, how challenge how how the challenges in marketing firm in leading a marketing firm was and your experiences you know in developing one um i, I didn't develop the i didn't i didn't start the company i, I just became a part of much leader in the conversation um, but i have the privilege of working with some phenomenal leaders in the company people who uh, founded the company people who currently um, 
we're all in partnership. And I think the, the beauty of it is to know that we have a strong valued system that sets us in place, sets us in motion. I think there are some great challenges, right? Your faith gets shaken, your value system gets shaken. There's so much messaging that the world wants to hear, but you can't. There are so many, so many ethical boundaries that you got to set yourself into. I think marketing is where um, one of those places where you can actually easily fake a lot of things, but learning to stick to the ground and say, if I can't, then I can't. If this is not something that I can do, then that's not something that I can do. Willing to let go, willing to stand your ground, building ethical um, practices and aligning ourselves with what we believe in um, were some things that I got to really uh, watch and learn. Um, and I think it was beautiful to see how a company was already built into that structure. Um, and one of the things that we've in, of, of late have been really, really working around during COVID season is what and why do we do what we do? Because the company has evolved so much. Um, and that led us to a very interesting place where we wanted to build noble brands, brands that stand for a cause, brands that stand for a specific voice, a specific um, uh, purpose. And I think that's why we say we want to help noble brands um, grow and thrive. Um, and that's pretty much what we do and why we do. Because I think the beauty of it is also to see nobody wants to do this just for money. I would not say money is not a factor at all. Yes, um, if you're not, then you shouldn't be in business. But money was not just it. And I think that that's the beauty of being a part of this team uh, that I get to do life with, that I get to build this out with. Um, to know that we're all driving towards something that that really reaps impact and change. It was not just by books, but by the stories that we've been seeing, um, things that we've been doing, um, the number of impacts that we've been um, able to make. And I think um, that's something that I enjoy um, doing. Did you ask for challenges of, of marketing? Is that what you were asking? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's something that everybody wants to know. <laughs> yeah, I think the challenges would be sticking to your gun, right? You can easily, <laughs> easily cut corners. You can easily... Um, make money and I don't think um, we want to live by that principles learning to say no even when you can make it right um, learning to stand your ground on certain things that you believe in I think those are some of the hardest choices uh, that I've seen us make in the recent times where we're like we know this could help us a lot but we're gonna stick to what we believe in and say no and we believe um, we believe the fruit of what we're doing so that's definitely one of those biggest biggest challenges in the marketing world wow i think you know i think we have a lot of people who are upcoming you know probably listeners to this listeners to this episode who wants to start their own marketing firms you know and standing their ground and saying those things and i think that's like two of the hardest things to do I mean, you know, I, I'm a person like, you know, that saying no to people is like the hardest thing for me to do because like, you know, if somebody asked me something, I'm like, yeah, I think I can do it. You know, it's like, it's hard for me. And, you know, yeah, I think I should, sometimes I think, you know, I should never be in business because <laughs> I, I, I don't make it because, yeah, but I think, you know, uh, saying no to people is like a very integral part of it. And it's also standing your ground because you had to, sometimes you got to say, this is how it works, whether you like it or not. 
And you know, you just have to say that, and that's going to be it's gonna it's not gonna please everybody, but you know, but yes, standing your ground and saying no, I think that's like a biggest challenge. But I think that is also the two most defining points in your life as well in your business because uh, the, how you deal with these two scenarios is I think shapes your business. Absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. I think it's hard, but it's uh, it bears fruit. In the right way, uh, not the way man wants to say it, but uh, in a kingdom way. I think um, that's how you want to do it. Wow, that was amazing! From amazing, so the amazing was just like talking all over a lot of amazing stuff. So yeah, I'm using the word amazing a too many times. I uh, I should be ringing a bell every time you say amazing. <laughs> Well, that word is actually particularly i mean i really love the word amazing you know it's like you know i think it defines a lot of stuff you know uh, i mean in in perspective to uh to what god has done in my life and you know what god is doing to my life you know so i don't think i if i can ever say anything if, if, if what if somebody asked me like what has god done in your, uh done in your life and i would say you know it's just amazing that's the only thing that i can say <laughs> because i don't think there is a word that is equal to it and you know it's i mean you know and i think it's like a great thing to have a name like that also uh so thank you so much amazing for being here on this podcast it was such a pleasure to have you to listen to your story on leadership on leading marketing and doing marketing doing business and also from a ministry perspective and i think a lot of people who hear this i believe is going to lead marketing firms someday and i think that's going to make a lot of changes in the future so and uh, thank you so much for being here it was an absolute pleasure having you thank you so much for having me it was it was a fun one thank you Yes. So guys, if you guys are listening to this, all the links to Amazing and her uh, and her blog, everything will be put up in the episode description. Do check her out and do uh, do leave a message to her if you guys want to have any doubts on how to do marketing, on the tricks and trades. You know, she, I think she's going to be really helpful for you guys. Maybe she, she can provide some real insight and stuff like that. So make sure you guys hit her up if you guys want to. And also stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned to our next podcast. And I hope you guys have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Bellwether's podcast. If you loved this episode, do not forget to share and subscribe. Also, we would really appreciate if you could leave a review. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.